Well, amen. I enjoyed it. That blessed my heart. The singing did. I enjoyed watching Brother Young patting his foot up here. That was good. He almost said amen. I'm just kidding. He did say amen. That was good. I'm glad tonight. I'm on the road to glory land, aren't you? I'm going to enjoy when I get to heaven, but I decided a long time ago I'm going to enjoy the trip. I'm going to enjoy the trip. John chapter 15. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. There are two things that always bother me about this passage of Scripture until some time ago, discovering a truth that helped me. And um, it, it, it concerned me that, uh, that uh, when I read this about the uh, vine and the branches, that he prunes the branches. And sometimes I would have the feeling, boy, it doesn't matter if I do good or bad, I'm still going to face the pruning of the Holy Spirit, and that was negative in my thinking. And I think what happened, I uh, came to the place in this that I saw the thorns and couldn't see the flowers. I couldn't see the roses. Tonight, I pray I can help you to see this passage of Scripture in a very positive way. As I've found it to be, I uh, really enjoy it. And it's talking about our relationship with Him. It's not talking about visiting God for an hour on Sunday morning. It's a talking about abiding with Him. Would you stand with me as I read a few of these verses tonight? John 15, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. That means he's the one that does the inspection. He does the pruning. He does the fertilizing. He does all of the care. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That's the second thing that always bothered me. I feared, Lord, if I don't bear enough fruit, you'll just take my life away. That was my fear. And I don't think that's what this passage is emphasizing. That's what it says, and that's what it means, but I don't think that's the emphasis of this passage. And my fear is taken away as I see the whole of it rather than just that statement. And he goes on to say, He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you're clean through the word. Now, the word clean is important. The word clean, I'm clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Again, uh, that verse caused me some uh, consternation, some fear, some concern, because I wondered, am I bearing much fruit? And the emphasis was in my uh, production. Am I working hard enough uh, to bear the fruit that pleases God? Or do I live in fear that he would take my life away because I'm not bearing uh, the much fruit that he wants me uh, to bear. 
he, uh, uh, he says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight, as I emphasize, I believe, the most important part of this passage of Scripture as you taught your disciples and you preserved in your word to teach us of the importance of abiding in you that we may bear fruit. Help me as I preach. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. John chapter 14 and verse number 31, which is the closing of John 14, the disciples are about to leave the upper room where they have shared the Passover meal. They're going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will spend much time in prayer and there he will be arrested by the mob. As they journey to the garden, Jesus speaks the words of John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. If you will imagine the Lord Jesus and his disciples as they were walking along the darkened streets of the city, they're passing beyond the walls into the surrounding countryside. Jesus perhaps views uh, the vines and the branches at this time of the year, which would have been uh, in the month of April. And perhaps Jesus pulls one of the vines or one of the branches uh, from the vines. And, uh, or maybe he points to the uh, uh, vines and branches that are carved into the doors of the golden gate. And uh, he calls their attention to the vine and to the branches and he begins to teach them. Uh, you see, these men have just been informed that Jesus is leaving and they'll be left alone to continue the work that Jesus has done. Now, I've thought for so many years and it put an undue burden on me, I must continue the work that Jesus began. Now, that is true. It is our responsibility. Do you hear me, church? He's ascended to heaven and the work he has given falls on us. My concern and my burden is that I don't work hard enough or I don't produce enough fruit. I believe that is the wrong emphasis, though the application is there. And I repeat that again because I want you to hear me say that and I want to show you what I believe Jesus is emphasizing. He wanted them to know the only way they could be fruitful was to abide in him. That work and that relationship continues today. Let me just walk through this passage tonight and give you some definitions and applications that will help us in our walk with him this week. First of all, I want to point out, according to verse number two, we are in him. What does that mean? That means we are a child of God. We are saved. We have been born again. The Bible uses the illustration of being grafted in. I'll come back to that illustration in a bit. Uh, but uh, the Bible tells us that the relationship that we have is he is the vine. That's where the life is. And we are the branches of that vine. And that's where the fruit is found. The branches do not produce the fruit. The vine produces the fruit through the branches. If you didn't hear what I said, you missed the whole lesson. 
you miss the message. You see, while the vine is where the life is and the branches is where the fruit is found, the branches do not uh, produce the fruit. The vine produces the fruit through the branches. You and I are in him. I'm glad tonight that I'm a child of the king. I'm glad tonight that my father is rich in houses and lands and he holds all the wealth of the world in his hands of rubies and diamonds of silver and gold. His coffers are full, he has riches untold and I am a child of the king. I'm glad that I am a child of the heavenly father. I want you to notice the emphasis now on bearing fruit. A vine has a purpose, and that is to bear fruit through the branches. This is an important picture to see. The vine itself does not bear the fruit. You do not pull the fruit from the vine. It delegates the fruit bearing to the branches. The vine has fruit, but its fruit is in and through the branches. May I say tonight that Jesus is the true vine. In him is life. In him is power. In him is the source of any fruit in our lives. This year, probably many of us purchased a or two or three tomato plants and we brought them home and either planted them in a planter, maybe on a porch or maybe uh, in a flower garden or somewhere around the house. And I uh, was visiting a family yesterday. I believe they had 70 tomato plants. And I said to him, I did not need to plant any tomato plants. I just need to visit you every couple of weeks and get tomatoes. He said, I've got cucumbers too. I said, I'll be back every other week then and I'll come and I'll get those. Now, you've never had the idea, you've never had the idea of just taking one of the branches off of the tomato plant and taking it home and say, all I need is one branch of tomatoes. I'll take this branch home. You know if you sever the branch from the tomato plant, all you're gonna have is a dead branch in just a few days. Because there's no life in the branch, the life is in the vine. And so we're smart enough to understand we're smart enough to uh, comprehend the fact that we don't uh, see an apple tree and say, well, I don't need a whole apple tree. I just need a few apples. I'll just cut this branch off and take it home. If you cut the branch off, you've cut the life of the branch and the life of the fruit. Uh, you've cut it off. May I say tonight, I am not the life. I am not the power. You are not the life. You are not the power. He is the life and he is the power. Now, I don't know a lot about what I'm going to tell you. I've only read what I can find, and I read about grafting branches in. And there are certain types of tree families or fruit families that you can graft a branch of one fruit tree onto another. Now, you can't put apples on peaches or apples on, on plums, and you have to have the same family. And what I understand is, uh, if you take a branch of a different fruit of the same family, uh, that uh, the vine uh, will give life to the branch and it will, it will continue to produce the fruit of that branch, not of that vine. Did you understand what I said? Now, now you can't have life just by fellowship with others. 
Now I'm thankful for good fellowship and right fellowship, but life is not just in fellowship. If I fellowship with just others, I'll continue to produce the fruit of my own flesh and it may be magnified by the fellowship of the others and certainly so if I fellowship with the wrong crowd. Are you with me tonight? And so I want to make sure that I'm grafted in not to just a fellowship or a group. I want to make sure I'm grafted into him because what happens, a miracle takes place. I no longer produce the fruit that I once produced, which was the fruit of wickedness. I now can produce by being, gra- excuse me, I'm going to get excited right here. I'm going to start fanning fast right here. Uh, I'm grafted into him and I don't produce my fruit anymore. I don't produce the words I used to say or the places I used to go. I produce a fruit that comes from the vine, the true vine, which is the heavenly father. I'm glad that as a child of God, I became a child of the king. And according to the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, I have now a divine nature that is within me. And my responsibility is to crucify this flesh and let the power of the vine, the true vine of the Father, let him live his life through me. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't persecute Christians anymore. I give the gospel to lost people and I make them a child of the king because of the power that is in me. I don't have time to go into great detail, but what is meant by fruit? I believe there are three basic fruits the Lord bears through our lives or through the lives of his children. I believe there is the work of sanctification. I believe it's salvation, sanctification begins, and that's when we become more like him as a person. Uh, our forgiveness, our behavior. Uh, let this mind be in you, Philippians chapter 2, which was also in Christ Jesus. I become set apart from the world, set apart from my flesh, set apart from the nature of my flesh, and I become closer to him. Uh, there's a new life in me, Second Corinthians five seventeen. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is a work of sanctification to make me more like Christ. A sculptor was working on a rock and he was carving with his hammer and chisel. He was carving the hard granite stone, making it to look like the individual that he attempted to portray. They said, how do you do this? He said, anything that doesn't look like the real character, I carve it away. And that's the work of sanctification when he saved me. The Holy Spirit carves away the things that are not like him. I want to be more like him in my life. Not only is there the work of sanctification, there's a work of spirituality. That's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. That's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The Bible says against such there is no law. That means there is no law about how much love or joy or peace you can have. You can drive as fast as you want in the fruit of the Spirit. You don't get just a bushel. You can have all you want. There's no law. There's no limitation. And so I can produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want the love of Christ living through me. 
I've had folks say, well, that's just not me. And I said, I'm glad you admitted it. it never has been. I'm not interested in your love, but I'd love to have the, see the love of Christ flow through you. I'm glad it's not of me. I'm glad it's of him. All over this property, as I met uh, Friday uh, with uh, officials in regards to permits, and I met with the engineer and all of that, and under the ground there's quite a system of pipes that takes the water that flows from this property and from the buildings and it puts it in pipes and puts it in the retention ponds out here and keeps it in control. Uh, the pipes don't produce any water. They're simply conduits. The water falls from the sky. God produces the water. And that's all I am. I have no love, but I can be a conduit of his love. I have no joy of my own. My flesh is sinfully wicked all, but I can have the joy of Christ flowing through me. I can have the peace of God which passes all understanding flowing through me. I can have the gentleness of God flowing through me. If I'll yield myself to him, I can have the fruit of spirituality. And then last of all, I can have the fruit of souls. I can win others to Christ. Now the whole picture here is that Jesus is living his life through us. We are simply a branch grafted in. We are producing through our lives what he is. Listen to these words of the Lord Jesus. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And he goes on to explain and to describe that. Now, you shall know them by their fruits. Now, uh, the fruit is who we're connected to. I want folks to know I'm a child of the... I, I want folks to know that I'm a child of God. In my lifetime... Growing up, and of course, uh, that generation is gone now, but I would go to the country store and somebody would say, there's, there's Sammy Joe's boy. Looks just like him. Looked like my father. Looked like my father and my mother. They'd say, I know who that is. They've said that of my boys. We hoped they would grow out of it. Unfortunately, they didn't. Now, here's the key. Here's a responsibility I have. Now, here's where I really want you to listen, and this is the purpose or the reason I preach this sermon. When I think about bearing fruit, pressure increases in my heart because I want to bear fruit that pleases Him. I want sanctification to be more like Him. I want spirituality to behave like Him. I want souls, I want others to be saved because of my life. But when I think about bearing fruit, in fact, in, in verse number two, he says, no fruit, fruit. And then he says, more fruit. And then he says, much fruit. I believe that's what God wants in our life, much fruit. But I think about that and I get an increase of pressure and even a fear sets in because bearing fruit is work. But here's where that fear is taken away. And here is where that fear or that pressure is taken away. The pressure is not in me doing the work. The pressure is me abiding in him. It's not how hard I work, it's how much I yield. Are you listening? 
you have a one-inch pipe, you can produce whatever volume of water can flow through that. A two-inch pipe, it doubles. A four-inch pipe, it doubles again and on and on. I simply, simply want to be a yielded vessel. I simply want to abide in Him. And the pressure is not how much I produce. The pressure is how much I abide in Him. You see, God is the one that gives the increase. All I have to do, and I'll be honest with you, it takes away the fears. It takes away the pressures. I'll tell you what else it does. It takes away the competition of comparison. Well, I just don't do what he does. Can I tell you something? The measure of his success is not how I measure it. The measure of success is how the master measures it. If he pleases the Father, that, that, that's wonderful, that's fine. That's no business of mine. My goal is not to beat him. My goal is to please the Father. And the way I please the Father is not try to beat him in my work. The way I please the Father is to abide in the vine, abide in Christ so that he can bear the fruit through me. Now that brings me to this, how? How do I abide in him? Abide means to dwell. Abide means to stay with. So how do I abide in him? First of all, I must be in him, first of all, as his child. Now, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you'll never bear spiritual fruit. You must be in Christ. You must be born again. As a saved child of God, I must then spend time in prayer. I said it this morning, I'll say it tonight. If your cell phone charged, the amount of time that you pray every day, some folks wouldn't have enough power in their cell phone to make two telephone calls. How much time do you spend in prayer? By the way, I love specific time in prayer. I love the time that I spent this afternoon, this evening on my knees, just specifically focusing on prayer. But also there are other times I can pray or I can be in tune with God. There's sometimes I decide, no, I'm not going to turn the radio on. It doesn't matter what the news is, but it does matter that I spend time with Him. I may be a little behind on what's going on in our city or our state or our world. I don't want to be on, behind on spending time with him because that's the only way I can bear fruit. Sometimes we want to do all we want to do and then we want to hurry up and put the pressure on and uh, uh, put the work in so we can bear fruit. No, bearing fruit is in relationship with our abiding with him. Number three, we need to study the word of God. That's how I know his will. I honestly believe one of, the, one of the most foolish things we talk about, I just wish I knew the will of God. Hey, if God never answered that prayer one time, there's enough written will of God to keep you busy 200 years. I'd rather do the written will of God in the wrong place than spend my whole time looking for the right place and never doing the will of God any place. The written will of God. I need to know the word of God. I, know, I want to know the word of God because I want to know the heart of God. I want to read the Word of God because I want to know the mind of God. 
I, I want to know what God thinks about righteousness and evil. I want to know what God thinks and how God responds to all kinds of behaviors. And I learn how to behave. I learn how to think. I learn how to forgive. I, ner- I learn how to control uh, my flesh. I learn how to crucify my flesh. I learn uh, to do what God says to do in His Word to please Him. I need to read the Word of God. I need to uh, 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 thirst. I need to uh, fill my mind and life. I need to drink deep from the Word of God. I'll give you this statement and I'm finished. I do not use God to produce what I want to produce in my life. I yield to Him to produce the fruit He wants to bear in me. Sad to say, many Christians, the reason they want a relationship with God, they want God to make their business successful. Now, I'm not against business being successful, and it's obvious that God does bless everything like that. But the reason I want to abide in Him is I want to bear the fruit He wants me to bear. I want to have His love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. I want all of those things in my life. I want Him to bear the fruit He wants to bear in me. Can I give you one other thing and close again? Every branch that beareth not fruit, the Bible says, he taketh away. I believe, as I have looked at the work of the vine dresser, it often means taking away means to, don't miss this, this is a sermon in itself, he lifts it up or raises it higher. Yesterday, I have two tomato plants. Yesterday, when I went out to those tomato plants, some of the branches had fallen over in the ground. Now, when they get muddy and dirty, they don't produce. And so what I did, I lifted them up. I put them, you know, you have the tomato holders. I don't have a cage, but I have some things that you stick in the ground, little metal things, and it brings those branches up. It gets them out of the dirt. I used to see God as someone that would be angry and just say, well, that's no good. I'll cut it off and throw it away. That's not what the vine dresser does. In every story of the New Testament that uses this type of thing as an illustration, the Lord Jesus sought to love it and care for it so it could bring forth fruit. He doesn't come along and say, well, he's no good. I might as well cut him off. I'm wasting time giving him life. No, he picks me up out of the dirt. He picks me up out of my discouragement. He picks me up out of my failures. He said, I don't want him to be in the dirt. I'm going to put him on this trellis. I'm going to put him up here where the rain can wash the dirt off and the sun can shine. I don't want to get rid of him. I want to use him to bear fruit. He's not a God that walks around with clippers to lop off everything he doesn't like or that a preacher doesn't like. He walks around loving the, uh, the branch and loving the plant because uh, uh, the vine doesn't bear fruit. The branches bear fruit. He doesn't walk around trying to cut off every branch. He picks it up 
And can I tell you, that's what preaching ought to do. Sometimes we need to be pulled out of the dirt of sin. Sometimes we need to be warned about things that would steal the fruit of God in our life. Ah, but it needs to be picked up and it's not but a few days you'll see that branch will grow. You'll see those little blooms come and you realize that's going to be a red tomato here in just a few days and a few weeks. If you studied the word purge, you would find that is a good word. It's not a, it's not a word of termination. For example, Psalm 51, the psalmist said, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. God picks me up out of the dirt. He takes my vines that would be going off in the wrong places and he brings them back in his control. And he cleanses them with the rain. He cleanses them with his word. I don't want to live under pressure. I don't want to fear God and say, Lord, I hope I've produced enough fruit. Is this enough? Is this enough? I know he produced more. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is saying, Lord, I want to spend time with you. I want to abide in you so that your fruit can be born through my life. He's not a gardener that walks around with, prunes in his, uh, uh, with pruners in his back pocket wanting to get rid of me. And oh, they're there. They're there. But he loves me, picks me up so I can produce. Stand with me, if you will. I ask you the question tonight, are you abiding in him? And how much time are you abiding in him? How much time in the day is your mind or your thoughts on him? Think about budget the time of your mind and your thoughts. How much time is spent? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How much time is spent in music of entertainment? How much time is spent in television? How much time is spent on the news? How much time is spent in driving? How much time is spent playing games on a cell phone? How much time is spent, and then I ask, I simply ask how much time is spent with God in prayer? How much time? Heavenly Father, help us to abide in you.